Psalm 90, verse number 12. The psalmist says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. I want to read that again. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. I'm using for my subject today, no regrets. No regrets. Father, I thank you for for the word of the Lord today. God, I believe today that you have a very specific and personal word for, for all of us here today and specifically for some individuals especially as well today. God, I just pray your anointing again will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. And God, I pray, Lord, that you will help us, Father, to receive the Word of God and to embrace the Word of God, to be challenged by the Word of God, to be encouraged by the Word of God, to be convicted by the Word of God today. Father, all these things we ask for your glory. We ask in Jesus' precious name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. I cannot speak for you, but as for me, I cannot even imagine the horror that I would experience if when coming to the end of my life, I would have to face the monster of regret. It is my desire to live with no regrets. Now, now, since I already have a couple of them under my belt, then I realize... I realize I cannot bat a thousand in this area, but I also understand that I can do everything in my power to limit this monster from rearing its ugly head in my life. If you're here today and and you have more than your share of regret, the bad news is you cannot undo what has already been done. But the good news is this morning, you can make some changes in your life. And because you have made or you make those changes in your life, you can lessen the regret for you in your future. Well, for me, if I live with no regrets, it will be because I concentrate on three specific areas. Now, I want to share those three specific areas areas with you today. The first one is, will be how I live my life. Somebody said, if your presence doesn't make an impact, your absence won't make any difference. Wow. The Bible tells us about a man named Jehoram. And it says of him in in 2 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse number 20, it says Jehoram was 32 when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for eight years. And no one was sorry when he died. What? What? He reigned in Jerusalem for eight years, and no one was sorry when he died. Surely, surely this man must have experienced regret to the max. To live 40 years, to be a husband, to be a father, to be a leader, and yet not one single person shed a tear when he died. How sad is that? Now, I cannot speak for you this morning, but I, I want my family and I want my friends to, oh, I, need, I want them to need double the amount of Kleenex in my funeral. I mean, I want some sobbing. I mean, I want some tears. I want some crying. I want some wailing. Krista, I want you to fall on my casket. Cry out, my daddy, my daddy. I'm kidding, kind (laughs) of. As I was thinking about life, as I was thinking about regret, 
I was thinking along these lines this past week in preparation for the message today. I just took a few moments and I wrote down five words. I wrote down five words that describe how I try to live my life. Now, I'm not saying I'm good at it. I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying these are, these are the way, this is the way I try to live my life. And for me, if I live with no regret, I'm going to have to be strong in all five of these. So let me share them with you this morning. Five words that describe how I desire to live my life. The first word is integrity. Now to me, integrity is everything. To me, integrity is at the top of the list. You see, you see, I must be the same man at home that I am when I stand behind this podium. I can't be one way at church and another way at home. Who I am in private must match who I am in public. Psalm 25 verse 21 says, May integrity and honesty protect me, for, for I put my hope in you. Proverbs 20 and 7 says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. You see, I cannot even imagine the regret that I would experience if my lack of integrity would cause my wife or my kids or my grandkids to reject my God or to stumble in their faith. The second word that I wrote down was intentional. Now, another word for intentional would be purpose. Because, you see, people without purpose will have a lot of regrets. I just happen to know my purpose. Haven't always known my purpose. It took a long time. It took many years. But I know my purpose. My purpose... Let me just tell you what my purpose is for my life. My purpose is to be a godly example to my family. To be the real deal. Not somebody that just puts on a show on Sunday morning that that knows how to sprinkle a little pastoral dust around. No, no, no. No, no. I've got to be the real deal. Didn't say perfect. My purpose is to genuinely and sincerely love and care for people. And I've been doing that for many, many, many years now. I remember when we started the church in Midland, Texas, Harvest Time Church. No building, no money, no people, no nothing. I didn't have a beautiful building to offer people. I didn't have a fantastic worship team to offer people. We started with my wife on the piano that we took out of our living room and put on the stage. That was an antique. And my 14-year-old son on the drums. That's the way we started. There were a lot of things that I, I did not have to offer, and yet there was one thing that I did have to offer. That was a genuine Love for people. Our slogan in the beginning of that church was the church that love is building. And people would drive by fancy buildings. They would drive by churches that had fine-robed choirs and awesome worship teams and all of these things. And they would drive by them and they would come into our little church and they would come in and they would feel the love. From not only us, but those that we encouraged and taught to love. My purpose is to build a strong, healthy, safe, missions-sending church. My churches, or or my uh, purpose is to restore broken, hurting, disillusioned people. 
And I can tell you that for about the last 30 to 35 years, they, these are most of the people that God has sent me, broken, hurting, disillusioned people. And somehow God has allowed us to pour in the oil and the wine uh, and to restore broken people. That's my passion and that's my purpose. My purpose is to preach and to teach the Word in a very practical and uncompromising way. So if I live without regrets, I will have to focus on these things. And I cannot allow myself to become distracted. Are there other good things that I could do? Absolutely. But God did not specifically call me to these things. Somebody said, he who chases two rabbits catches neither. Understand that the number one reason for failure... Is loss of focus. If I'm going to be intentional with my life, if I'm going to fulfill my life's purpose, I I will have to be very strategic with my time. I will have to say no to a lot of things, even some good things that I'll have to say no to. Because you see, we just don't have time for everything. And so we better give Priority to those things that relate to our life's purpose. See, people come to me all the time with these awesome and incredible ideas, but we can't do everything. I'll tell you what we better be doing. We better be doing what God's purpose for this church is. Well, that church is this. Well, that, well, that, well, that. Yeah, that's that, that, and that church, but that's not our church. We're not going to get online and read some book and figure out how to do church. Amen. We are going to figure the purpose. And we know what the purpose for our church is. And that's where we find the blessing of God when we we fulfill the purpose that God has given to us. We don't have time for everything, so we better give priority to those things that relate to our life's purpose. So because of this... Because of this, I will say no. Personally, I will say no to some extra preaching opportunities so that I can say yes to my family. Say, Pastor, you get asked to, yeah, believe it or not, I get asked to preach other places. I know you can't hardly believe it. Because of this, I will say no to some positions offered to me that don't match my life's purpose. Pastor, you get offered positions. Yeah, believe it or not, I get offered positions. (laughs) You see, nearly every, every day in my prayer time, I include two things. Not just these two things, but in my prayer time, I include these two things. Number one, I I ask God to open doors for me. How many believe that God can open doors for you? And so nearly every single day when I'm walking up and down the front of this auditorium and I'm praying, I ask God to open doors in my life, doors that have been shut for me in the past. I ask Him to open doors for me. But I don't just stop there. I don't just pray, God, will you open doors for me? Then I go on, and then I ask God to give me wisdom to know which doors to walk through and which doors to decline. You see, God is not the only one that opens doors. How many know the devil opens doors? The devil will open doors for you. Yeah, yeah. He, he may open the door for you to try and get you distracted. He may open the door for you to try and get you off of the main path. He may open a door for you to try and get you outside of your life's purpose. He, he might open a door for you just to get you a little bit busier because he knows that the busier that you are, the less effective that you are going to be. And so he was just trying to get you busy, 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 busy. May I suggest that busyness is not effectiveness? Let me tell you something this morning. God hasn't called us to be busy. Did you hear me? God hasn't called us to be busy. He's called us to be effective. To be effective. 
Ephesians 1 and 11 says, In Him we were all chosen according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Listen, God hasn't called you to do everything, but He has called you to do something. He hasn't called you to do everything. He hasn't called the grace place. He hasn't called us to do everything, but he has called us to do something. And we need personally and corporately as a church, we need to let God reveal what that something is, and then we need to get very intentional in how we live our life. Because people who live life intentionally have fewer regrets. I'm giving you five words that describe how I try. Emphasis on the word try. Five uh, words that, I, that I'm giving you that describe how I try to live my life in order to live with no regrets. The third word is intensity. How many think pastor's intense? Now, another word for intensity would be passion. Now, passion and purpose go hand in hand. It's nearly impossible to have one without the other. You see, if you know your purpose and you are strategically pursuing it, passion will automatically follow. Now, I've tried to preach different than I do. I really have. I've tried to back off a little bit. I've tried to be a little more laid at back. I've tried to be a better communicator. It just don't work for me. Hey, Joel, go for it. Osteen. It's working for you, man. And I bet if he wouldn't, if he preached like me, it'd sound like Barney Fife. Think about it. Just think about it for a moment. Nip it, nip it. <laughs> Y'all know who Barney Fife is? Y'all know who Barney? God, I'm so sorry that these young people have not been blessed in their life with Barney Fife. He's my hero. May I suggest that it's extremely difficult to succeed in any area that you are not passionate about? And see, I can be a whole lot better than me than I can be an imitation of somebody else or what some expert says I'm supposed to be. I kind of think God's the expert. And I kind of think He gave me my gifts, my talents, my abilities, my personality. I think God kind of made me the way that I am for a reason and for a purpose. Let me suggest this also. People can quickly recognize what you are and what you're not passionate about. Not hard to figure out what you're passionate about or what you're not passionate about. I love the following poem I discovered many years ago. It goes like this. There was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked, he never tried. Ah, uh, he never sang or prayed. And when one day he passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never really lived, they claim he never died. <laughs> Romans chapter 12 and verse 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, serve the Lord enthusiastically. The next word that, that I wrote down that describes how I, I must live my life if I live without regrets, and I use the word instructive. You see, we are responsible to take what we have learned and pass it on to the next generation. I have 
thoroughly enjoyed and loved the last five plus years with Pastor Steve. He has honored me by allowing me to mentor him. He comes to me quite often with questions. He comes to me for counsel. He comes to me for advice. He comes to me for my opinion. Moses had Joshua. Elijah had Elisha. Paul had Timothy. 2 Timothy 2 and 2 says, you have heard me teach things. Now you teach these things to others and they will pass them on still to others. You see, if I'm to live without regret, I must instruct others in what I have learned so that my knowledge will be perpetuated and will not die when I die. The last word that describes how I desire to live my life is the word inspirational. In 1991, I, I planted Harvest Time Church in Midland. It was an incredible experience. My daughter and my son-in-law can attest to this when I say that in my 10 years as founding pastor there, several of our youth went into full-time ministry. I mean, it was like a parade of young people that were, that, were, that were going out from Harvest Time Church in Midland, Texas, either to Bible college or Bible preparation or ministry school or full-time ministry. I'll never forget a father of two of these kids said to me one day, he said, Pastor, He said, you have made the ministry look appealing. He said, the reason, the main reason why we are having so many of our teenagers, so many of our young people that are going into full-time ministry, and he had two boys that were going into full-time ministry, he said, most of the reason is because, he said, you have made the ministry look appealing. Why, I take that as a gigantic compliment, the ability to inspire. And I hope that I have inspired somebody here today. I hope I've inspired some of you these last 11 plus years. Oh, you see, my aim is to inspire you to love your family. To love your family like you've never loved your family before. Uh, oh, it is my desire, oh, to inspire you to get your finances under control. To inspire you to stop being average. Because average is broken in debt. And so for the last 11 plus years, I've, I've talked about money. I've preached about money. I've preached about you know, all of those things. I've taken a few hits along the way because of it. It's all right. I'm still standing. But I want to inspire you. I want to inspire you to get out of debt and get your finances in order so it will bless every part of your life, including your ministry. My desire is to inspire you to discover your life's purpose. See, see, it's not just the preacher that needs to know why they are on planet earth. It's not just the preacher that needs to know uh, his life's purpose. But God has a purpose and a plan for you. And I want to inspire you to find your life's purpose and then give your life to it. And I've done my very best to inspire you to become a giver. Oh, to enlarge your influence all oh, by partnering with me as we partner together with ministries all around the world. Oh, that we might see the fingerprints of the grace plagues all over this planet. Somebody said it like this. Aspire to inspire before you expire. Think about this. Think about this. When David killed Goliath, the fact that David was willing to stand before a giant and destroy a giant, this inspired others to believe that they too could kill giants. And the Bible 
tells us over, uh, let me find it here, over in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 4 through 8, it tells us uh, there were men that would not even think about fighting Goliath. They wouldn't even, I mean, they are cowering down, man. They are shaking and quivering in fear. No way, Jose, are they going to go out and fight Goliath? The Bible says that because David killed Goliath, this gave inspiration to others of his family and others of his friends and those that were followers after him to believe that they too could kill, could kill giants. David wasn't the only one to kill giants. He was just the first one. But because of his inspiration, other giants were destroyed. Got to hurry this morning. The title of my message today is No Regrets. If I live without regret, it'll be because I personally concentrate on three specific areas. Number one, how I live my life. Number two, how I lead my family. Andy Stanley said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom might not be in something you do, but in someone you raise. Proverbs 22 and 6 says to train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And I suggest to you today that your greatest opportunity for ministry resides under your own roof. May I add to this this morning and say your greatest responsibility resides there as well. You see, if I win the whole world, man, if I win the whole world to Jesus, but I lose my own kids, oh, let me tell you, I would, I would experience incredible regrets. Now, now, that being said, our kids have free will. They make their own choices. But it's up to us to make the right choices very clear and very appealing to them. Let me quickly give you four things this morning I've tried to do. Again, the emphasis on the word try. Four things I have tried to do in leading my family. Number one, prioritize them. I've tried to prioritize them. My priorities are as follows. Number one is my relationship with God. My personal relationship with God. Not my ministry. Don't get that confused. My personal relationship with God is above and beyond anything. That's number one priority. Number two priority is my relationship with my wife. Not my kids, not my grandkids. Well, that's a hard one. My wife. You see, at the end of the day, it's just me and you, babe. Me and you and God, really. It is. It is. I got great kids, got great grandkids, but they got their lives. We were together before them. Always be together. Amen. They start to say we'll be with them after them, but hopefully not. <laughs> so my priorities are number one, my relationship with God. Number two, my relationship with my wife. Number three, my relationship with my kids and my grandkids. Pastor, not your ministry? Not your job? No. No. See, someday I won't be your pastor. Hopefully it's several years down the road. Someday I won't be your pastor. I'll always be her husband. Always be her daddy. Always be those grandkids, Paul. And I'll just tell you, throw rocks at me, run me out, tar and feather me. If I have to choose between you and them, I'm choosing them. I love you, but I love them more. Number one, my relationship with God. Number two, my relationship with my wife. Number three, my relationship with my kids and my grandkids. Those two might be kind of flopping back. 
Number four, my ministry. Way down here. Number four. Yeah, down here. Number five, everything else. Everything else. You see, your family must know that they are important to you. And actions speak louder than words. I love the story of the little boy who wasn't getting any attention from his father. And so he grabs his little league baseball bat and his little league ball. And he comes to his daddy with his bat in one hand and his ball in the other. And he says, all right, dad, either play me or trade me. Four things I've tried to do in leading my family. Number one, prioritize. And number two, praise them. Praise them. Affirm them. Speak words of encouragement over them. Help them discover their, their strengths. And then, and then encourage them to develop themselves in the areas of their strengths. And understand that no one is good at everything, but everyone is good at something. There's a lot of things that I'm not good at, but there's one or two things I'm pretty good at. I need to focus on those one or two things that I'm good at rather than worry about all of those things I'm not good at. I can find somebody else to do what I'm not good at. I'm still trying to find out what it is I'm not good at, but I'm, I'm going to find it one of these days. <laughs> and let me... Let me just get really, let me just get out on the edge, all right? Let me just really, I probably better not get too much out of there. Let me get out on the edge this morning and talk to you, Mama and Daddy. I'm sorry, but Junior's not good at everything. And Sis is not good at everything. And let me tell you something else. We're not all winners in everything. You're a winner. Well, I'm not sometimes. I wasn't yesterday. I lost by one stroke. We will have a rematch, and I'll beat them. Because we'll play till I win. That's the way I do it. My son, he just gives up. He says, Dad's not going to quit. So he just lets me win. Here's what I'm saying. You might need some help in discovering what they're good at. Because you've got rose-colored glasses on. There's too much emotion and attachment going on. Hey, I'm sorry, but if he misses the ball every time the ball comes to him, <laughs> if he throws like a girl, if he falls down after he runs, baseball is probably not his sport. Let me tell you something. Clay Knowles, he can't play golf. He's not here. I can talk about him. He can't play golf. He can't play baseball. He can't play football. He can't play basketball. Unless it's like this, you know. But man, is he good up here! Let me tell you something, he's got a brother. He's an incredible golfer. You put any ball in his hand, he'll beat you with it. He's that good. He can't do any of this. <laughs> I think it's kind of a blessing that these boys had parents that knew how to figure out what one was good at and the other one, and the other one was good at and the other one wasn't, and put them in the direction and help them and help aim those arrows. Hello? What I'm saying is sometimes, sometimes when they're our own kids, oh, 
they sound a whole lot better than they really are. They look a whole lot better than they really are. They play a whole lot better than they really do. So when you're discovering their strengths and encouraging them in their strengths, find out what those strengths really, really are. And then the, all right, four things I've tried to do in leading my family. Prioritize them, praise them. Number three, protect them. Understand the temptations they face and provide protection in every area. Pray a hedge of protection every single day. I pray a hedge of protection. I name everyone in my family and I pray a hedge of protection and I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over every one of my kids and my grandkids and my parents and my in-laws and even a couple of my outlaws, come to think of it. I take my responsibility as head of my home very serious. And so I pray a hedge of protection over them every single day. Be involved. Be engaged. Know what's going on in the lives of your family members. And let me say this one last thing in this area. If you're a parent, be the child's parent. Not their cool best friend. Now, when they get to be 25, 30, you might get to be their best friend. I hope you get to be their best friend. My son is one of my very best friends. But when he was growing up, he was my son. And his backside would tell you that he was my son. This one down here is another story. Number four, provide for them. Provide for them. But when you provide for them, give them what they need, not just what they want. And understand they have physical needs. Understand they have emotional needs. Understand they have, they have spiritual needs. If you want to live without regrets, you will lead your family well. And may I suggest that there is absolutely nothing more rewarding in all of life than to have the love, to have the respect, to have the honor, oh, to have it bestowed upon you by your family. This past week, I was having lunch with my son-in-law and my son. And just something that my son said, it just, wow, that was nice. Didn't think he'd think about it. He just said, Told Sean, he said, well, Dad's got a pretty good track record. That's just a little something, but wow, that's my son. He said, Dad's got a pretty good track record. You see, at the end of the day, all we really have of true value is the love of our Lord and the love of our family. You see, in the very beginning, Adam, the very first man, he had this entire world. He lived in a place called paradise. And yet, after creating the heavens and the earth, after placing Adam in this brand new world, after giving this world to Adam, God looked at him and God said, it is not good that man would be alone. Oh, and God recognized that the one thing Adam didn't have was the one thing that he needed the most, and that was a family. And God created Eve. The title of my message today is No Regrets. If I live my life with no regrets, it will be because I concentrate on three specific areas. Number one, how I live my life. Number two, how I lead my family. And I'm going to do the third one really, really quickly. All right, so hang on. How I love my Lord. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 says, you must love the Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Let me, let, let me suggest there are three areas that will test the genuineness of our love for God. The first one is our time. Our time. You see, the value that we place on something is determined by the amount of time that we are willing to devote to it. You see, you can tell your wife, you can tell your kids that you love them, yet if you devote none of your time to them, they will not be convinced of your love because love is spelled T-I-M-E. 
Oh, you can stand and you can sing to the top of your lungs, oh, how I love Jesus. But if you have no time for His house, if you have no time for His word, if you have no time for prayer. But not only is our love for God tested by our time, but also by our talents. You see, when we stand before God on judgment day, He is going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? He's going to say to us, I equipped you with all of the necessary tools that you would need to fulfill your God-given assignment. He's going to ask us, did you use these gifts on yourself or did you use them on me and my work and my purpose? The third area that tests the genuineness of our love for God is our treasure. I'm a tightwad by nature. I mean, you just about have to pry the dollars out of my hand. Unless, unless the money is going to help my Lord or my family. Because you see, my my Lord and my family have captured my heart. They've captured my heart. And Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 21, He said, where your treasure is, He said, there your heart will be also. May I suggest to you this morning that if God has captured your heart, He has also captured your wallet. And if He hasn't captured your wallet... He hasn't captured your heart. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. It's just fact. Jesus says where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. Worship team, get back in place very quickly, very quietly this morning. The older I get... The more I think about what what is truly important in life. See, the first several years of our life, we don't think about what's important. We just think about having fun. How can I have fun? How can I have a good time? But the older that I get, the more I think about what is truly important. In life. And I have to because people pull on me this way and that way and this way and that way. And so the older I get, the more strategic I get. And the older that I get, the more I desire to finish strong. To leave a legacy. To have a lasting impact. On my world. Let me tell you something that just turns me off. It just, it just grates on me. And that's when a preacher talks about winning the world. Our church is going to win the world. No, we're not. We're not. We're going to take our city for God. No, we're not. Our city has 387,000 thousand people in it. Our auditorium seeks 600. We're not going to take our city for God. What kind of ego do I have to get up here and tell you we're going to win the world to Jesus? We're going to take our city for Jesus. No, we're not. Let me tell you something else we're not supposed to. See, we're not the only show in town. We might be the best, but we're not the only one, all right? Hey, and let me tell you that the assemblies of God, we're not the only boat afloat either. Amen? Let me tell you something. There's some Baptists out there. They are blowing it up, man. Hello? Church of Christ? Tell them that we're here. Some independence. See, I'm not trying to have an impact on 
the world. I'm not trying to have an impact on my whole city. I'm trying to have an impact on my life and my world. My world. You're in 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 my world. Say, Pastor, don't have my... Oh, i got a great vision. But I'm also realistic, and I know. First of all, I'm not egotistical enough to say we're going to do it all. We're not. We're going to do our part. And God has an incredible part for us to play. He has some things for us to do that nobody else is going to do. Amen? And see, if I just go do what somebody else is doing, well, we'll just reach those people there, but we need to do what we're supposed to be doing so we'll reach the people they're not reaching. And they can do what we're not doing so they can reach the people we're not reaching. And we, we can have an impact on our world. This is a great big world. We can have an impact on our world. I hope you got that this morning. You see, the last thing that I want to experience is regret. So if I'm really serious about this, if I, if I really mean what I'm saying, it's going to show up in three areas in my life. It's going to show up, number one, in how I live my life. It's going to show up in how I lead my family. It's going to show up in how I love my Lord. Would you stand with me this morning in His presence today? Father, I just pray today that you will take the word of the Lord. God, not my little sermon, even though I worked very, very hard in putting it together. I always do. But it's not my sermon, but it is, Lord, it is the, it is the word of God. Let the word of God have its effect in this house, in this place. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, let me say this morning, let me ask, how about you? How about you? Are you here today and and you have some regrets? You have some regrets? Maybe there's still time for you to rectify those regrets. That's you this morning. I want to see your hand all over this room. Nobody's looking around. All over this room. Lift them up real high and wave them at me. It's kind of dark in here. I want to be able to see. I missed some people last Sunday. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you this morning. Second question I have for you this morning is you might lift your hand and say, I I want to make a brand new commitment today to do everything within my power to live without regret. I want to live without regret. And I'm willing to do what I need to do. You know what? Your three things may be different than my three things, but I will do whatever I need to do with God's help that I can live from this day forward without regret. Can I see your hand all over the room? All over the room this morning. It should be 100%, but I'll take it. It doesn't matter. It's not me anyway. It doesn't please me. Please me. I tell you that we cannot go back and undo anything. And there's not an adult here today that if you could, you would go back and undo something. Something you said or you didn't say. Something you did or didn't do. Somewhere you went or didn't go. Every one of us today, if we had it in our power, we could go back and we would go back. Could we change something? Well, we can't go back. That's the bad news. But the good news is today, today, today is a brand new day. And whatever it is that I have regret from today. I can make some changes in those areas of my life so that going forward, going forward, I won't have those regrets. Let me just talk to you young people here today, you teenagers on the first couple, two or three rows. Let me just challenge you today. 
You're still young. You're still very impressionable. You're still making choices. I know you hear this quite often from the youth pastor, but I just want you to hear it from me. The choices that you're making today will affect you the rest of your life. You make a bad choice, you can overcome that bad choice. I'm not saying that, but there's still consequences that will go with those bad choices. You'll have to live with them forever. The difference in you as an adult will be in the choices that you make today. The choices to do the right thing, the choices to, to serve God, to live for God, to, to live holy, to live righteous, to live pure, to not follow the crowd, to not give in to peer pressure, but to make the right choices. Talk to anyone that's 50 years old or more. Talk to them about going back to their high school reunion. And how different people's lives are. That popular one is, may not be so popular anymore. That jock that got all the notoriety doesn't get it anymore. challenge you today to make good choices so that you can live life without regret. Father, I just thank you for this word today. I thank you today, Father, that you're going to help us today from this day forward make good choices in our life and live our life with as little regret as we possibly can. I want us to spend a little time worshiping before we leave, so everybody, come on, come quickly this morning. Just get out of your seat and come on down. Everybody moving forward, everybody, you on the front, get as close as you possibly can so that others can get up there close as well. Everybody can't get in the front, but everybody can move forward, and they're just something special about moving forward. I don't know what it is, but there is. We believe in the altar at the Grace Place. In fact, everything that we do is pointing to this time. The time of one-on-one at the altar.